Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everyone, welcome to the Dishes and Dimes podcast. I'm your host Yasmin Duala, and I am joined with Iman. Uh, it's been a few weeks, but um, there is much to discuss. It's um, the uh, post trade deadline episode, so no more hypotheticals. We know what the teams are going to look like heading into the postseason, which is pretty exciting. Now we can kind of um, uh, judge the outcomes and the progressions of the team without. Um, you know, pontificating about, oh, if they just add so-and-so and so-and-so and so, -so, (laughs) uh, they could look a whole lot different. So, yeah. Um, I know Iman has a couple um, trade deadline moves that are of interest to her. Um, But first of all, how are you, Iman? Um, Good. Was the trade deadline as, um, how do I put it, as eventful, I guess? Uh, as yeah. you anticipated, or More. did it kind of let you down, or how you how do you feel about it? Not judging from your own perspective as a Raptors fan, but as a, like an NBA observer, as an NBA fan as a whole. Gosh, it was it, it. My expectations were kind of blown out of the park, and I think part of that is last season we didn't really get a very eventful trade deadline, and and that's in yeah. part because well, the James Harden trade happened before uh, the deadline, but also. I feel like in the middle of a pandemic, people were a little hesitant to trade guys. I don't think a lot of players wanted to be traded uh, as well because you have to uproot your family in the middle of a pandemic. Also, we didn't really know very much of what was going to happen, but now we know that it's an 82 game season. Things have kind of returned back to normal, at least in the U.S. And we got to see a full trade deadline um, there were trades left, right, and center. We got blockbuster deals. We got moves on the. There's still moves that like I'm reading about today, and I'm like, wait, Tori Craig is a son. Like, when right? Did that happened. I don't know why. I don't like, know if it's me. Let me know yeah. if you feel the same way. But over the last couple of years, I am just like confused when I see certain teams. I'm like, oh, so and so is on this team. Like, I the feel Marcus like I'm, cousins yesterday. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> I feel like I'm experiencing that feeling so frequently the last couple um, games. Yeah. Uh, not a uh, season, sorry. That I just don't recall ever, like, maybe I paid less attention before I was covering the league. And now that I cover the uh, basketball, I need to be up to date on where, who's where. Where everybody um, so like, is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. where everyone is. Because I don't want to be, like, you know, writing about someone and, um, you know, getting confused and stuff like that. Like, I, I for a moment, I'm like, wait, um, Thaddeus Young is on the Spurs? Like, <laughs> Yeah. 
I'm just in my mind, he's a bull. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, I, rem- I remember that just because I, I cared about the DeMar DeRozan trade. Like that's the right. only, if that, if he was not a part of that, because if like anytime I tune into a, a Spurs game, I've never seen Thaddeus Young. And, uh, exactly. Exactly. He's, he's just someone that I, I completely forgot was there. Just like Tristan Thompson as a king is only something I remember when someone like talks about <laughs> Chloe Kardashian. Like, I, I just and remember, like, I just realized oh, yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. He, he was part of a deal. The Kings made some moves. The Kings, the Kings, I have my eyebrows raised at some of the things that they did. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the Kings Pacers trade? Because I know that's very Ooh. divisive. Yeah, I was not a fan of it. And I know like the first game, it kind of was bonus there playing like point center looked really great. And you could see um, you you could see what maybe the Kings are, are hoping for. I was kind of confused by it only because one Tyrese Halliburton is so, so, so good. And he's so young. Um, And like the numbers that he puts up for his team are crazy. And he's someone who wants to be a part of the Kings culture, which I think is very difficult and very rare to find. As someone who is as talented, um, as committed to his game, as hardworking, as everything that you want your franchise player to be, both on the court and off the court, it kind of looked like they found their guy to build around moving forward. Right. And he wanted to be there long term. He wanted to be a part of the culture change. And they gave that up. <laughs> and it didn't make sense to me at all why you would give that up for someone who has, what, two, two years and a little bit left on their contract. Demacia Sabonis does not have any ties to the Kings in the same way that Halliburton does. He may right. leave in two years time. Um, you know, this is the third team that he's been on in his career. He might not love the Kings. It's just the control that you're giving up. Because that's when you're a small market franchise, control is very important. Having young guys, having someone who wants to be on your team, who's committed to being with your team, a homegrown talent, um, if you will, is important to have. And giving that up didn't make sense to me. And I, I'm a big De'Aaron Fox fan, and I know he's not having a great season this year, and I know his three-point shooting is down. Um, but like... Be- Maybe because just watching him play, he's a guard who, who likes to get downhill. He moves really quickly. I just assumed he was a really good cutter as well. Like I just figured that's the type of person who can move well off ball. Right. And listening to Kings fans talk, it's like, no, he, he can't space the floor and he's a terrible cutter. He doesn't do it very much. And I'm like, why would you pair that with Sabonis? Why is this the talent that you think works well with Demacia Sabonis? It didn't make sense to me. Um, so right away, I was just like, I don't get it. I don't know what the Kings are doing. I don't understand the fight for a play-in spot just to get knocked out by the Lakers. I don't get it. But um, hey, if it works out for them, I would love that. And I'd love to eat my words. Right, yeah, because like I don't hope for any more um, just turmoil for the Kings because mm-hmm. I feel like there are there are there are teams that struggle, and then there's the Kings <laughs> who I who you know like just the past what is it fifteen years? Yeah. It's just it's been so bleak. Like that's just that's the kind of I like I, I'm, honest, I'm honestly su- surprised whenever they have their post game spaces, and I'm like they have fans like they that fan there's oh, a, there's, the a there's a there's a fall. Yeah, there's a fan base following this team. Like, that's just, I feel like that's disrespect to them to, like, not uh, take team building seriously and to make a team that gets uh, a fan base excited. Like, it's kind of just, it's disappointing. But, like, you know, I want it to work out for them. Um, And so far, so good. Like, they look quite good. Yeah. Uh, So, bonus is clicking with um, 
Darren Fox, which is, which is about as good as uh, you could hope for. But like, like you said, that getting rid of Tyrese Halliburton, I thought that was like a, a cornerstone cor- sort of guy. Like, yeah, people have a tendency to overrate young players, but Halliburton, he's he's that guy. Like, he's it when he. When he plays, like, I see, like, a future f- floor general in him. Um, he has a, multiple moments a game where I'm just like, whoa. Uh, and you can just sense that with young players. Whenever they have multiple moments, you're like, okay, with practice, with reps, with time, this is be- going to become a more frequent occurrence. And yeah. that's the exact feeling I had watching Tyrese Halliburton um, this season. But, yeah, um, uh, trading him to the Pacers. Now the Pacers have a very interesting... Um, collection of talent now mm-hmm. they can play um miles turner comfortably at the five without being kind of clogged on the floor with uh sabonis so i'm interested to see how that pans out for him as well because it seems that they're going to hold on to him uh and yeah like it's um it's definitely something to watch i feel like it's going to be a trade people are monitoring over time just because halliburton is young uh and how he's going to be progressive you are it's going to be that kind of trade that people always reference oh my god the kings gave him up so, yeah <laughs> um it'll be, uh, it'll be that the kings gave up was Someone who they thought, I guess, initially would be kind of a, a corner store, a corner store oh, right, piece. Right. But, um, you know, it hasn't really panned out and their injuries and there are all sorts of reasons. And he's always going to be sort of talked about as that guy just because he was taken before Luca and Trey Young. And that is Marvin Bagley. What do you think about that deal and, and, and trading him over to the Detroit Pistons? Um, I thought that was cool for the Pistons. I love it for the Pistons, uh, yeah. Right? And a lot of people say as a joke that uh, we can't really assess Marvin Bagley until he's off the Kings. And <laughs> uh, I think that's like, um, so it, it's it's true. Um, I feel like just the, the injuries he's endured over the years, yeah. um, the unideal um, conditions and not really having a roster built around him in particular mm-hmm. has been interesting. But like giving um, Kate Cunningham a young big man Love it. Um, alongside him that he can grow with is a is a great move, I think. Like, I, I actually really like that for the Pistons. And I love it. Yeah, I have a, a feeling, give it a few years, the Pistons are going to be right up there competing, um, I think, in the uh, one through eight area of the conference, of the Eastern Conference. Um, that's mm-hmm. how talented Kate, Kate Cunningham is. Um, right now, Evan Mobley is a favorite for Rookie of the Year, but in due time, I think that Cade will be the one who's seen as the best all-around player out of the group. Just watching him play, uh, he can get basically whatever he wants when he has the ball. It's just a matter of um, becoming better at editing his game as a young guy. Like, he kind of has those rookie moments where it's like, you know, should you have taken that shot? But other than that, like, he can pretty much do everything, (laughs) which is like just a testament to how talented the top portion of this uh, draft has been. Like, it, oh, my goodness. Like, like, oh, but yeah, night. like you, you have three guys who are legitimate rookie of the year candidates, which is not common at all. Usually there's a clear cut favorite uh, for, for that position. But to have three guys with a legitimate case in Evan Mobley, Kate Cunningham and Scotty Barnes is absolute insanity. Like and for them to be in the same conference, like for the next eight years, basically, is just mind boggling. Yeah. Um, I feel like they're just going to be dominating as uh, the current. Um, leads of team age out but yeah um other than um the king's pacers trade and bagley heading to the pistons um another trade we could talk about is um the brooklyn nets and the uh philadelphia 76ers That's a blockbuster that? trade um that has been like the blockbuster move um there's so much to talk about in regards <laughs> to the moving pieces of this trade um people want to make it seem like um 
I guess it all comes down to the fact that I'm not as low on Ben Simmons as other people. I think ultimately okay. that's what it is. Uh, I do think that he's overhyped. Um, I don't think that he's going to be a superstar just based on the limitations of his skill set and his refusal like to do certain things, to try certain things. Just tells me, okay, this is a guy with a ceiling and he seems to be okay with that. Um, the, I'd like to be higher that, on Ben Simmons than you. And I, I completely get what, what you're saying. And I'm yeah, you know what I mean? You. Like, I, um, I agree with you, but I'm looking at this Nets team and I'm looking at how many shooters he has around him. And I'm that's like, what I'm saying. like, let me just, start let, that's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, I, the way people are talking about this trade is like the Nets lost or something. Mm-hmm. James Harden was going to leave in the offseason regardless, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I feel like he wasn't going to stay on the Nets no matter what. He wasn't going to spend the last portion of his career, his likely final contract on the, on the Nets. Um, his likely uh, last final like big contract on the Nets. Uh, so for the Nets to get Ben Simmons, um, who's basically the most ideal talent to put <laughs> outside of James Harden, if you're not getting like a superstar outside of that, Ben Simmons has always been like the perfect fit to me. Like whenever I think of um, Kyrie and Katie on that team and people mm-hmm. were whispering about the Ben Simmons trade in the future, I'm like, yeah, that is like the perfect trade. That's like the perfect type of player. It gives yep. them interior presence. It gives them interior playmaking, someone who can pass outside from the from the center out, mm-hmm. um, and it just it, it gives him also the like the ultimate um, environment to play in. Like if you think yeah. of the team that works for Ben Simmons, it's this Nets team. Um, so when people t- talk about like the Nets are coming out losers out of this and that they're um, not contending, no, they are absolutely contending because James uh, Kevin Durant already showed that you can give him some warm bodies. And he can carry a team to the top six of the conference. Kevin Durant been. was a one seed with DeAndre Bembry and the corpse. Oh my Griffin God, starting. like not even the top six. He was the, they were <laughs> no, leading the, the top conference. seed. Yeah, they were the top seed. I didn't say top seed. Kyrie not playing seed. with Ben Simmons. With, yeah, James Harden being in and out with injuries all season. Yeah. Like that is insane. So to give him Kyrie, who's likely going to be playing more consistently. I don't know if he's going to be vaccinated and what, how often he's going to play. But if giving him Ben Simmons, um, giving him the pieces that are already present on the team. Like, it, it's it's the perfect scenario. And not only that, they added Seth Curry. Yeah, you know, more they added that all, With the absence of Joe Harris, he's yeah. the perfect replacement. You know what yeah. I mean? So, um, to me, the next person... Do they know anything about Joe Harris? He's done for the season, right? Like, there's no yeah, he's, playoff. Like, he's getting surgery, I believe. So, I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to be... I think it was ankle ankle surgery. Yeah. So it's significant, especially for a shooter. Yeah. Um, to get and that's what they need. The they, need they need body. Like, because with Joe Harris gone, what's Joe Harris, their fourth best player? Like, he was at very no, yeah, at no yeah. worse. He was, he was no worse than their fifth best player. And for that guy to go down and for Kyrie to be part-time, for James Harden to be injured and for Kevin Durant to be done, they just need bodies. And they got that too exactly. right now. Yeah. And so... Um, all things considered, yeah, the Sixers won the trade. They got um, one of the greatest shooting guards of all time to put us alongside um, uh, Joel Embiid. So technically for the Sixers, it was a Seth Curry for James Harden trade because Ben Simmons did not play this season mm-hmm. and they've been good regardless. Uh, but the, to me, the Nets did not lose. That's all. I think that's yeah. what it comes down to. So uh, they are, to me, um, among the contenders in the conference. Um, they're going to be battling it out for an Eastern Conference final position. 
Um, and so will the Sixers. So I feel like it's kind of a, a, a best case scenario situation for both sides. So um, I'm very excited to see Ben um, Ben Simmons on the Nets. And I'm very excited to see James Harden alongside Embiid. Like it's for, for a basketball fan to me, it's like difficult to be upset. <laughs> no, I, I, like this is, I hate that it's in our division, but this is so exciting. That too. <laughs> um, I, I, but which is fun. Um, but wait, wait, you hear me there? No, sorry. I, uh, I, I oh, you cut out. out. You cut out. So it was like the 15 minute mark, if you want to note that. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, sorry, I was saying the only way that I think people can sort of consider the Nets losers um, is if they look at the last two years, right? And so you're thinking about all of the draft capital that they've given up. Um, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, two teammates right now. We can talk about that in a little bit. Um, and, and everything that they sort of had given up in order to get James Harden only for that to turn into Ben Simmons, because the price that they paid for James Harden would not have been the same price that they're paying for Ben Simmons and Seth Curry, which fair, fine. I'll hear that. But also, I because I was someone who was as soon as I found out how many picks they were giving up for James Harden, I know people thought that they they kind of got Harden on a bit of a steal. And I know people were were just, you know, mocking Raphael Stone for what he what he didn't get in return. Because, like, how do you not even get Jared Allen as part of that? I get that. But I was always really nervous because I'm like, these are guys who, for the most part, are over the age of 30. Kyrie Irving is the only person who's under 30. Um, right. At least at that time, he's, he's going to be 30 this year. Uh, <laughs> these are guys who, uh, who knows how long they have left in their career, who knows how injured they're going to be, who knows how these personalities kind of go. And we saw that it, it wasn't even a year. These are three guys who played 16 games together and already it absolutely crumbled. And that was my fear with the Nets giving up as many picks as they did. I just thought that would be ludicrous and 16 games. It does feel kind of ludicrous, but then they got a couple of picks in this draft. And Woj immediately tweeted out how they were possibly looking to ship those to add some more help. And it made me realize that, like, the Nets do not care about draft picks. They do not care about They're it. trying to win, yeah. Because they can afford to not care about that. Because you can literally have... How many picks have, did they get? For, uh, I, think for I think there were two. I think there were two. I think one of them... That's like great, honestly. Like, they got picks. They got a good... Yeah, they got a good haul back. They get picks again, which is something they just don't have control over. But, like... So funny to me because as a team who went through the, you know, the Celtics trade for Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and, and Jason Terry, for a team that had to struggle through that and realize that having draft picks is important. Uh, you know, you trade a draft pick for Gerald Wallace and that draft pick becomes Damian Lillard. For a team that has that history, to still not care about draft picks is hilarious, but also a testament to like how a New York team should operate. Because there's no way that the Kings or the Pacers or the Raptors even can operate in the same way that the Nets are. But they're New York. They know at any given time they can entice Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to go play there. They know that they can do that in the future with any other superstar that exists. So draft capital means nothing to them. And it's hilarious to just sort of watch that happen. Where for like the other 26 teams in the league that don't exist in New York and L.A., draft capital means everything. Yeah. So when you when you couple the capital that they uh, managed to uh, recoup with trading ben, uh, James Harden and the fact that they got a, a nice young contract in Ben Simmons, um, they're kind of set up even for the post um, for the post Kevin Durant Kyrie era. You know what I mean? Like they're kind of they're going to be okay. I feel like, but um, 
regardless, like you said, um, the worst part about all of this is that it's happening in the Atlantic division. <laughs> we, hate it. You know, you, like you don't want to see these teams succeed <laughs> if you're a Raptors fan. No. Um, and it looks like it's, it looks like that they're um, contenders, like they're um, Eastern conference representation favorites. You know, yeah. I, the, the, the bucks have been like, people want to make the bucks. Um, how would I say? Like they want to make them favorites simply because they, uh, you know, because they won the championship, which is fair enough. Like you, you earn that when you're a championship uh, team. But I feel like there's there have been like these changes throughout the conference that make it less guaranteed. Do you know what the, the biggest change throughout the conference that makes that less guaranteed? What? Brooke Lopez not being healthy. Yeah, yeah. That's number that's one to one. The, the and Bucks just don't talking scare me. If, yeah, and people are talking as if uh, Sergi Baca's spacing can um, can mend that. No, Brook Lopez is like borderline dis- defense player of the year caliber yeah. at his best. <laughs> like, like he is an excellent defender. It, it actually like just there there I think it was in the championship season it might have been post championship season it was in one of those and the raptors were playing the nets and you could feel how scared every single person was of going inside like i don't yeah. think that a single guard got like within 5 feet of the rim everything was an outside shot which is how the raptors have to beat the the, the bucks that's how they've consistently done it they've beaten the bucks by outlier shooting (laughs) which yeah but that's how they've beaten the bucks right and in the games that the raptors won this season it was their interior presence they had more they outscored the bucks uh with points in the paint in every single matchup i feel like at very two of them it's it's such a huge factor and Um, we just saw the nets we just saw sorry the sun uh eight and dominate Exactly. The Bucks. Uh, this is the Bucks beat them in what six games? Yep. Like with four ease. in a row. Four in a because, row. Because yeah, because of Brooke Lopez's interior presence, um, shying away Chris Paul and Aiton. So to yep. have that missing, if he's not a hundred percent, and it's a back injury on a center, so it's serious. On a center uh, that's older. Yeah, on a center that's older. It's like what? What's his mobility like? Can and Serge Ibaka also is a center who's older with back injury issues. Yeah. <laughs> for a year of very serious surgery he has yeah. to get. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to observe. I wouldn't be surprised if they did not make it out of the second round. Like that sounds like harsh, but because of the competitiveness in the playoff teams in the East, do not be surprised if the Bucks just don't Before, make it. Could we talk about the one last, the one last sort of trade that I, that kind of hurt me that also happened in the Atlantic division, maybe before we yes, move forward. Yes. <sighs> the White Walkers being broken up. Um, and they're like going from the San Antonio Spurs to, which I love the White Walkers because of Lonnie Walker and um, <laughs> White there. Yeah, <laughs> that's a hilarious. Um, name. It's, it's a great nickname. But uh, Derek White going to this, uh, the Boston Celtics to create probably, arguably, definitely the most defensively scary backcourt in the East or possibly in the league. Right. Yeah, um, the Celtics, I just watched them today versus the Hawks. And yeah, their defense, when they play that lineup with Rob Williams, Tatum, um, Derek White, Marcus Smart, and um, who am I missing? I think they played Horford with them, which was like a double big lineup. I'm like, this is a defensively pretty excellent um, lineup that they can run deep into the playoffs. You have the interior defense. Rob Williams has been excellent this season defensively. Whoever, sorry to interrupt you, but whoever got my hopes up talking about 
the Raptors are in talks with the Boston Celtics for Robert Williams. I will never forgive you. I, I saw that too. You. And I'm sure it's true. I'm actually not. I'm, sure I'm so hurt by that. whoever came up with that. And then a day later, me seeing Christoph Porzingis, both of you guys who came up with that are not seeing heaven. Let me just tell you, because my hopes up to my hopes dashed within this span of oh my a very God. time. Um, yeah, but the, the Celtics, yeah, they have the. Um, their defensive um, presence right now, like their defensive, uh, they're Scary. synchronized. Um, they have plus defenders at any position that they can field out. Their weakness yeah. is with the, their, the weakness with them is that their um, bench players in Pritchard, like they expect Pritchard to play decent minutes. They, ex- they expect, um, who's the other guy? No judgment. Uh, we expect that from Spee. <laughs> yeah. So the, for them, like, I feel like the, um, the, way to beat the Celtics would be your wing scores. So your sizable scores being able to score on smart and fa- and um, white, which is yes. very few wing scores. So you have to, you have to take advantage of the fact that you will have the height advantage, even though that they're great positionally for their, uh, uh, their post defense. So, but white, I was watching today. He is smaller. Even um, Delano Gallinari was able to back him down quite easily. Um, smart is more difficult, but he can still get the, uh, bigger players that are skilled scorers can still get the best of him. So I feel like that would be the key to um, beating the Celtics team. And I feel like the Raptors are built to optimize that like about as well as you can be. Yeah. Um, but still, the Celtics look great. Um, I, I, it, 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 it all hinges on the fact how efficient is Tatum going to be and is Brown going to get his shit together? <laughs> I feel like that's all it comes down to because weirdly enough, the weakest defender in their tight rotation is Jalen Brown. Um, so if he gets it together, if Tatum finds his efficiency touch, then the Celtics to me are contending. Like they're, they're this is a contending Celtics team um, that we've seen. In and Tatum has been past. on one recently. They brought they brought Tice back. Uh, they oh, brought Tice back. That. They did bring Tice yeah. back. Their I big rotation is that. super solid. They have Horford back. Um, they yeah. they're basically rebuilding the teams that Brad Stevens loves. Um, and they're yeah, they brought everyone back. Too. They're like, oh, freedom they got rid of. They brought back, got rid of. <laughs> yeah, they got rid of um Ennis Freedom, but Ennis Freedom um, brought yeah. back Tice, brought back Horford. Yeah, that's true. They're just bringing everybody home. And since we're discussing the Atlantic Division, we could talk about the Raptors trade in Thaddeus Young. I know it was a controversial move um within the fan base. Um you have the Raptors giving up a first rounder, lottery protected, um, as well as uh, Goran Dragic for Thaddeus Young. Mm-hmm. Um, it, interestingly, like I totally get people um, being unsure about giving away a first round pick, but to me, the Raptors seem to be firmly uh, bought in to their current core. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, there, I would worry about that draft. Pick if the Raptors weren't as um, loaded with ideal contracts, yeah, already. You know what I mean. You talk. You're yeah. you're talking about Pascal Siakam, Fred VanVleet playing their best basketball. You're talking about OG Ananobi, arguably the best contract in the NBA. You're talking about Gary Trent Jr., arguably the, like the duration of time is not ideal, but he's making a very affordable amount of money. The Raptors are like kind of dancing with all these awesome contracts. They have Scotty Barnes on a rookie deal. Um, they're in an ideal situation. So I, I understand the, the 
organization giving up that first round pick, but um, they were able to uh, get the Spurs second round um, Pistons pick, which yeah. is probably going to be high in the second round. So probably in the early thirties. Um, so they're losing at best seven to 11 or something uh draft spots um right so now the I, pistons are set to have the best um second round pick so 31 that's where they're set right now of course anything yeah. can kind of change but yeah so talking to Masai, he seemed totally okay um with giving that up to get thaddeus young yeah. i think it's going to i think how we feel about it ultimately going forward is going to be based on his play um i understand getting thaddeus young he's pretty perfect for this rotation he has size he has high IQ. He's a high IQ hustle player, which is exactly what Kyle Lowry was. And I feel like it's exactly what this team has been missing. Yeah. Just someone who's willing to do those game winning plays. Um, those plays that add up to win you game. So gaining a, pos- a possession here and there through taking a charge, grabbing a steal. He does that dirty work um, that he won his hustle award for in 2021. 2021. Yeah, he's the reigning hustle award winner. Yeah, and I remember being angry because I wanted Lowry to win. (laughs) But um, (laughs) Thaddeus Young got it. Speaking of Lowry, and you just sort of mentioned it, he led the league in charges per minute. So obviously it goes on a per minute basis because some guys play 40 minutes a night. Shout out to all the Raptors. And some guys play... Not that many minutes. So um, based off of how the league did it. And yeah, it's it's very, it's an award that Amir Johnson, um, one of my favorite, probably my second favorite Raptor of all time, besides Kyle Lowry, <laughs> um, for the same reason, right? Like it's that sort of blue collar, gritty guy who does things. I think my sort of worry about the Thaddeus Young is in talking to like Spurs fans and how badly they wanted him off the team and talking about like buyouts and stuff like that. And I was like, wait, what? But I think I've come to the understanding that like, yeah, you know, seasons have kind of blurred in with each other. And he was really just a bull a year ago. And he right. was literally like the talk of the town, right? Like that was the guy that people wanted. Um, he, We wanted know, him. I remember like yeah. the Raptors were in talk. Like he's, he, he was Raptors a sought been after guy. After Thaddeus Young since forever, right? Like that's just been right. one of the guys because he is such a raptor, right? Like when we talk about the the gritty, you know, going after loose balls, putting your body on the line, like a, a solid defender, a guy who yeah, is Raptors great done. switchable. Like he's just like a Nick Nurse, Toronto Raptors type player. So it kind of fits in perfectly. I'm excited to see where he's at because part of me is like, you know what? A year before the Raptors got Goran Dragic, he was this like guard that he was playing significant and playoffs. He was really good. He was on the fight. Like he was a significant contributor to a team that made the finals. And then he came to the Raptors and I was like, cutting too. So, uh, can you hear me? Am I cutting out again? Yeah. You, you went silent. I thought. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know Sorry, where I cut off. That was the, uh, we're at the 30 minute mark. Just to let you Jesus, know. Jesus. Every, every 15 minutes. All right. Yeah. That's there weird. Like right on the dot. But yeah, the Goran was a major contributor. So the thing is with these um, older players that are yeah. kind of, um, when they're on young rosters and they're, they're kind of, um, I guess uh, it's a mix of things. I, sometimes they're unmotivated um, because they're not contributing to one, especially if they don't have a ring. So uh, yeah. I feel like that's a, that's a. Uh, or they're not getting playing that, time or they feel like they're, they're like, they feel like the role that they have is diminished. And like, if you're exactly. not, I think there's a couple of things. One is like, you can take a diminished role if you know that a championship is there, right? Like that's kind of the PJ Tucker thing that he's done in his career. Well, I mean, PJ Tucker has kind of also just been a journeyman, so it's different for him. But like, there is that role that you can take 
or you want to have a can you want to have a big role on a team if the team is not going to contend anywhere. And Goran Dragic kind of felt like he had the worst of both. And that's probably kind of what Thaddeus Young had over in San Antonio. And he just it's probably a hit. hit to the ego to play behind oh, sure. a younger player. You know what I mean? So um, for for sure. th- judging by his um, press conference as a Raptor, he seemed very excited at the prospect of playing on a good team, playing I'm on a excited team for him. Loves- uh, players similar to him. Yeah, so I'm excited for him he's to get He's OG's he, He's OG and That too. My so, major, major. <laughs> love that. Um, also, I love OG and Anobi's friends all being people like a decade older than him. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> weirdly on brand. Like, I don't even Danny know Green, Sergi Vaca, Thaddeus Young, they're always a decade older than OG, which I love. So talking about the Raptors, we could talk about their win streak that just ended the other night uh, with a loss to the Denver Nuggets. Um, a lot of fans uh, saw the Nuggets lose to the Celtics and immediately knew they would win against the Raptors. Myself, That's how I felt. It. Yeah, it just seemed like something that was just destined to happen. Um, the Raptors, um, are, even in their win streak, I felt they were taking the the their foot off the gas a little bit. You could tell that they were um, a little exhausted, a little, um, you know, when you're in the midst of a win streak and you start to lose early leads and you come out a little weak and you're like, okay, they're getting too used to winning. They're feeling like, themselves a little bit. That hunger that comes from a losing streak or something. They're feeling themselves um, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So the effort level was beginning to go down a little. I knew mm-hmm. it would end soon. Um, even when they were playing against OKC and stuff. I also okay, think teams you know? are just looking towards the all-star break right now. That too, yeah. The yeah. the motivation is dwindling a bit, especially for the Raptors, guys that play crazy minutes. Pascal Siakam played 42 minutes that game. Um, yeah, so it was it was it seemed like it was bound to end. Um, but it's crazy how how much this win streak has changed the outlook of the season, I feel like. Uh, for them to be um eight games, I believe, above five hundred is insane. It really changes the prospect um of the season, of the of, I feel like the timeline of this roster, I feel like mm-hmm. if they weren't as successful as they are right now, the trade deadline might've gone differently. I oh, think yeah, for sure. Um, you don't give up a first round pick, right? Like to me, I know people were scared about the first round pick and like, Oh, you know, moving back 10 spots or 11 spots in a draft kind of feels significant. But to me, I just read that as like Bobby and Masai believe in this friend, like believe in this core like that. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it, but it's just like, there's this belief because they're ahead of schedule. And like, they're legit. And this is not smoke and mirrors. At least that's not how that's not how management feels, which I think is is kind of refreshing and kind of nice. It is. Yeah. Um, I feel like they are not contending this year. Um, I just want I want people to accept that. They, <laughs> they are a dark horse team. They are absolutely a dark horse team. I yeah. feel like they are. They I feel like they are a sneaky second round team. Yeah. Um, they are not cont- even judging by I I was in Masai's uh, press, press conference and yeah. even the way he was speaking he was talking about building he was talking about foundation like he was talking about yeah. Uh, yeah. working towards something but his language was not the same as during the championship season where it, 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 and I you don't you don't urgency. trade for Thaddeus Young if like exactly. I, I mean you do make that trade but like when the Raptors were looking to contend that's when they made the big swings and it was Marcus Ole you know what I mean or you know trading Terrence Ross it was core pieces like Jonas Valanciunas was a like core piece 
Exactly. Terrence Ross was a core piece at the time. And like, that's when you know this team is making a big swing. I kind of liken this team to, um, and it's it's different, but kind of in, in the growth aspect of that 2014 Raptors team that made the playoffs exactly. for the first he time. Actually brought that, he brought that up. He I haven't that. had a chance to listen to it. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that he mentioned that as well. Cause like, that's the, like, we want to see what this team looks like in the playoffs. And that that seven-game series against the Nets gave, I think, everybody kind of a real understanding. It gave Kyle a real understanding. He signed back eventually, right? So, uh, or that summer. It gives everyone a real sort of gauge of what this team looks like. We don't know that yet. To not even have a, a playoffs with this core, because I'm sorry, that Kyle Lowry team in 2020 is very different than the team that we have right now. That had Marcus that had Sergi Baca. That was a very different team than uh, the roles that Siakam and OG and Fred are going to be put in, in this team. Um, right. So, like, let's give these guys a playoffs. Different iteration where they are, and then and then then we can talk about contending in maybe two years uh, or a year's time. Even I I think it's probably two years away. But yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think that they're going to look to contend while Scotty is on a rookie contract that allows them to save money. How amazing is that? Isn't it like he has a four-year deal that? You can look to build a contender while he's a a bargain so that you can just load up the team with expensive talent around him um, and really bolster the bench and get like a spark plug and all that, um, you know, microwave score off the bench or something. But yeah, I think the goal and, you know, Masai said specifically that Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam are around 27 years old. That's not too far off from the ages of DeMar and Kyle. Like, you know, he was really stressing the early We the North days. So I'm like, okay, I, I'm getting a good gauge of what the front office thinks of this team. And I, I think fans should remember that too, you know, the listeners that, um, you know, you're looking, you know, you're looking at the Celtics, you're looking at the Nets, you're looking at the um, Sixers. Those are teams that have been building and working with their cores, not the Nets, but the the Sixers and Celtics specifically, they're in very urgent situations, I feel yeah. like. Um, they are, their stars are already on the second portion of their, um, rookie extension contracts. Um, the, the, they don't have championships from this decade. Um, it's, 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 they're, they're very different scenarios. They're not building new cultures. The Raptors are really building things from scratch this season. Yeah. Uh, and they've done a phenomenal job, honestly, but, um, you know, uh, to, it, it, it would be like such a treat to get a playoff run from this team, see where they're at. Let the, the the reps and the benefit to Scotty's development are really like incomprehensible. Like you can't really measure how important that's going to be for Not him. Not to derail this even more. <laughs> Sorry, like I'm looking ahead, at the rundown and I'm like, you know what? Toss that out. But just sort of looking at where the Raptors are at, and and a trade that we didn't talk about is is whatever the hell the Portland Trailblazers are doing right now. Um, but also like that Blazers backcourt. And that Raptors backcourt, very similar, right? Like yep. the, the CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard, very Raptors similar to West. the Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan sort of backcourt that was building towards something. And what happened was year in, year out, <laughs> they met a wall, whether it be the Golden State Warriors or, you know, LeBron James, a wall. The same met. issue, the same issue too. They had an emptiness in the front court area. The Raptors didn't have a front court player that could be that two-way threat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's um, true. The, 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 um, the, historically, 
uh, there were lots of trailblazers. There yeah. are kind of lots of issues. It's also with the backcourt as well, right? Like there, there are yeah, clear flaws. It's, it's the main thing, but like it, it's yeah. so interesting to me that the Raptors had issues defending LeBron and the yeah. trailblazers. Any trailblazer fans will tell you that they did not have this defense at the three and four, which has been like the plight. It's been the <laughs> biggest issue. The biggest <laughs> issue for years. For years. Forever. Um, so, I feel like the Blazers always have the same team. I feel like every year, I'm like, yeah, all right, were, so this time it's Rodney Hood giving it a try. Okay, this time it's Rogo giving it a try. For so long. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's it's so funny because um, the teams that they were building, right before their eyes, they kind of became out of out of date in the NBA. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the yeah. NBA wasn't building. Whereas I feel like the Raptors as constructed are a very modern team to the point where even the players involved don't know what the hell is going right on. Right now they're, they're figuring in, it I out. I don't even say they're modern. They're innovating the next. They're trailblazers. They're so, trail- so to speak. They- <laughs> I love that. They're literal trailblazers. Whereas the trailblazers are um, doing the opposite of that. But, but no, but like looking at that Raptors backcourt, and, and the Blazers' backcourt and the Wizards' backcourt, right? Like it was John yeah, Wall, too. Bradley Beal, Kyle Lowry, Demar Derozan, and I and I, I tweeted this out. I think most people would have probably slotted Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry as the weakest of those three backcourts. I would take issue with that, um, <laughs> but <laughs> they would have slotted them as the weakest. And what happened was, unfortunately, the Wizards had tons of injuries with John Wall, with yada yada, and bad contracts and all sorts of things. But the Raptors kind of gave up on that and won a championship and are now in their next iteration. Whereas the Blazers and the Wizards are finally kind of at the point of tearing it all down and figuring out what's next. The Raptors have already won a championship and are on their next sort of the next, re, yeah. their next core and are much further along than either one of those teams when a decade ago or you know five, six years ago, we probably would have said the Raptors were third um, behind those two teams. And now look at it. The Raptors not only have a championship, but their next core is much more advanced in terms of winning a championship than either one of those two teams. So we're in a good spot. No need to get antsy. No need to start, you know, bickering with the Celtics because even that Celtics core, look at what the Raptors have been able to do. Um, That's something that heights that the Celtics haven't been able to reach. And so we're kind of ahead of schedule of everything here. So we can kind of calm down a little bit. Yeah, and um, enjoy the process. Like, we're literally witnessing Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siav come playing their best basketball they are absolutely killing it. Fred is an all-star. Pascal's likely to be all NBA. Um, you know, the I enjoy the Siakam is on right now is stupid. Yeah, it's it, ridiculous. It's, it's making stupid. the all-star selection look really crazy. And honestly, I'm hearing that James Harden is with his hamstring injury, he's unlikely to play. I think I think it's Jared Allen. I keep going back to it's going, it's going to, to be Jared it's Allen. it's very close. Um with Pascal's tear, I feel like is definitely I know, making it. But like, how do they not? How do you? It's in Cleveland. It's yeah. in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, it but it's a testament. Like it just tells you how I was convinced yeah. it would be Gerald Allen getting in without injuries. Like I thought he was. A yeah, me too. Kid. Me too. Me so too. for it to come down to this is very fascinating. But um, his All NBA case is being made for his position. He is the third best power forward in basketball, only yeah. behind Giannis. And is he the third best player in the Eastern Conference? Like who in the Eastern Conference right now? is very much playing better than him. Like, Kevin Durant is hurt. Who right. are these? It's a, it's a, Joel and, and Giannis. Who else? I'm trying to think who's on a tear like this. Uh, Tatum's on a hot streak, but he's on still a tear having right his now. off yeah. nights. But Pascal's been doing this for the last, like, nine games or something. Like, it's kind of insane. Pascal's tear um, has been ridiculous. I just, I can't think of anyone else besides Giannis and Embiid who are in the MVP conversation right now. Um, that's 
been having a run like like Siakam has. And when you watch it, he's definitely broken through a ceiling of sorts. Like I remember in the past, a good Siakam game was him making shots, but someone oh, mentioned no. it. I think it was Samson <laughs> Folk who mentioned it. Uh, Pascal's getting past the second first line of defense and then the second line of defense in ways that we like see superstars do. Like, say yeah. you got you got your man-to-man defender, you get past him. A lot of players panic after that point and throws up some bullshit. You know what I mean? But Pascal is weaving his way, taking his sweet time, getting the most ideal shot for his shot re- re- repertoire. And it, it's like, it's like watching, um, I can't even, I don't even know who's, was it you who tweeted it's like watching someone in practice no I think it was a Raptors main account who said that he's just doing drills like cone drills that's what it looks (laughs) like going around literally what it looks like pylons in front of him he's scoring against um it's not even a matter of we say oh can Siakam take on Tatum one-on-one can he take on Giannis one-on-one it doesn't matter because he can navigate a screen he can get the weaker defender on himself like he's not going to lose his handle in the process He's going to, he's not going to uh, back down Jalen Brown to no end. And, you know, no, he's I going know. to take his time, spend the 24 out, uh, second clock uh, trying to find the weaker defender. He's going to make the correct pass. He knows what to do when he's double. He knows what to do. I'm like, banning myself just because you said back down Jalen Brown. Like, I just had PTSD. Whew. Right? Trigger like, trigger warning. Before, <laughs> I feel like it was a matter of watching a player who did not know what to do. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what he looked like on the court. That's what he he looked unsure of everything. Unsure, he there was a hesitation before every shot. He just did not know what his to do. game yeah, did his not look smooth. Everything was herky jerky. Everything kind of looked like oh, like you know, like when you make a cringe face, like you're like oh, what? Like, that's how I felt watching him. Where I'm like, I'm unsure of how this is going to end. I just know that it's going to be bad. And, and tell me if you if you understand this. Like, yeah. I feel like before his good games were predicate predicated pred, predicated on whether he made his threes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. if he went one of seven, I feel like it was hard for him to have a good game. That's if he went of, three of seven, whereas now he could, his best games are him taking like two shots from the yeah. perimeter. Like, no, he does not rely you're on You're completely three. right. And I think that's part, no, that's kind of like my arguments for a lot of like why people thought he was bad last year. It was just like, I'm like, it's because his threes aren't falling. But let's look at everything else. Like, if we kind of broke it down, and it, it really was because those, I, I, I'm completely with. Can you hear me now? Yeah, now I hear you. <laughs> it's my stupid mic. I don't know what's happening. Okay. Um, what mark is that? I might have to edit this for him. Can you hear me still or no? Oh, I can hear you now. I can hear you now. Okay, okay. I just plugged in my mic back in. Okay. All right. I don't. I was talking about Pascal Siakam. I was agreeing with you on everything. That's pretty much yeah. what I cut out. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, is it, he his um. He's definitely like just broken through another level. I feel like that he can guarantee he has a good game, basically. Um, seeing him succeed against basically every defender he struggled against. Because I feel like before, remember we used to have like the Siakam stoppers? Yeah. Players in the league that can just match his speed and length and give him issues. It doesn't matter if they're a good or bad defender. Like if they were his height and his foot speed, they can give him issues that game. Yeah. But now um, just his his handle has tightened up. He trusts his instinct more. He's willing to get to the rim. He's willing to probe and take his time in ways that he hasn't been before where I think that his game right now is just made for playoff basketball. He's taking high efficiency, efficiency uh, shots. He's not relying on his perimeter scoring. He's not taking no. shots. Um, just He's not taking the three just because it's there. 
He'll only take the three a couple of times a game when he's wide open, which is like the scenario you want your power forward doing it in if they're not like freaking Carl Anthony Towns. It's the same thing Giannis does. He'll only take the three if it's wide open to him um, and he's pa- it's passed out to him. Um, he's just he's, he's playing the exact ty- kind of way that you want him to. And I do not see how he cannot like continue this for the duration of an entire season next year. Like here, he, this season, he was out for the first um, couple of weeks. Uh, he had to work himself up to finding his rhythm. I'm so excited to see if he can get himself into the all-star conversation, the all-NBA conversation, the MVP conversation next season, uh, and really continue the tear because, like, we've seen something special in this guy for years now, um, and it's really cool. This is, this is, that's, like, this breaks my brain watching him. Like, even in years past, like, Siakam is so good. This tear that he has currently been on, and you you talked about it, I think part of it is, 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 his handle being tightened. I think part of it is the game kind of looks slower to him. He looks more decisive too, when yeah. he when he does things. Um, you you cannot like you talked about it. The the guys that have been the Siakam stoppers sort of guarding him one on one. There is I don't like Siakam cannot. You cannot just have one body on Siakam. You have to give him the second defender in, in order to have a chance in hell at stopping whatever he's trying to do. And, and he's a wicked still, passer now. He's a wicked passer and now. Even still, yeah, I was gonna say, and even still. The playmaking has taken another level that, like, you don't want to do that. And you especially don't want to do that when you've got Fred VanVleet and Gary Trent Jr. and OG Ananobi out there, right? Like, it's uh, who, who are all knockdown shooters. It's, it's literally the perfect, um, it's the perfect team build. It's a perfect team build for him, honestly. Yeah. It's the perfect team build He's for special. him and Scotty, which is like this if Scotty can just, Scotty doesn't even have to become like a, People are. I, I saw people saying that this team is predicated on Scotty becoming a top fifteen, top ten player within the next few years. Uh, I don't even think that's the case. If Scotty can just become the third best player on the team, second best player on the team, it it looks a lot different for the Raptors. Um, and honestly, like he has his. Um, he, I feel like Scotty's working on his game management. Where uh, you probably notice this too, where he doesn't really know when to uh, imprint himself in the offense. Like he can yeah. disappear for quarters yeah. and then have yeah. a, a rush of offense the next quarter. But when he finds that consistency, that's the most exciting thing about Scotty. If he imprinted himself on the game for quarters, he would be averaging 20 plus points easily. Yeah. What is he averaging right now? Like 60? Like <laughs> yeah. Like if he found the consistency and didn't go invisible for certain stretches, like I find, I I feel like he has that tendency from his college years, being a bench player, being a um, pass first kind of guy. Yeah. If he, he, he's definitely been encouraged to shoot by his teammates and the coach now, but when he finds that four quarters of, you know, solid game management and he, he's on the perfect team to learn that. Uh, I'm so excited to see um, how easily he takes the next step. Um, and this team is a lot more dangerous in that case. Like if he if goes on those- becomes a top 15 player, I don't understand how the Raptors are not like, like that's content. Like I, I get that we're talking about them getting into contender status, but like to me saying that this team is predicated on that is completely ignoring what Pascal Siakam is, is becoming right in front of us right now. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great point. <laughs> Pascal has, has catapulted himself into that. And I, I firmly, if he can continue that moving forward, if, if Pascal continues this level of play, and and, and I don't have something. Someone noted that yesterday, like versus the Denver Nuggets, he t- he what was it, 33 points or something? 35. No free throws. None. No free throws. None. Like he's not 
He's not relying on a whistle. He's not relying on the three. He's relying on layups and passing. Like that, I, I can't even like stress to people <laughs> how um, unreal that is. Like that is, and, like, uh, and, it, and it, you you mentioned it in years past. If his three point shot was not falling, and like yes, he hit a couple of threes. I think in that game, I think he might even have one or two. But like, it's not even that to get the points, right? Like, it's not even like oh well, Siakam just had an uncharacteristically high uh, three point shooting night. Um, he was left open a ton because he's going to be, he's past, like, well, not anymore. But like, it's not even that. It's not a reliance on free throws. It's just Pascal getting inside and doing damage. And he like that in between game. game, he has two now. Like what? He's, yeah, now? he has the, the mid-range. The mid-range, I feel like, has opened up a lot for him. Now he can it get has. his win because people really uh, are threatened by his mid-range shooting. So they come up a little higher. He used to be left alone on an island in that area of the court. Yeah. But now the defender comes up a couple steps and he can get by them in almost every case. Even if he can't get by them, OG's waiting in the dunker. Scotty's waiting in the dunker. Those are both strong finishers who will get that dunk, who will get that easy um, glass shot. Um, but yeah. RIP to OG not getting that, not getting that dunk. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the clock, I feel like if there were like five more seconds, OG would be asked out to the perimeter um mm. honestly he should have tried but he, the clock would have ran out and it would have looked worse but Ugh. um that yeah that, that was just a, i want people to just acknowledge that Jokic is amazing and that was the play by the mvp to get that block like yeah not- that was like Jokic is phenomenal Jokic is like it's stupid to watch but also like i watched it like i was watching that entire south this game because I, you know i was hoping and i'm like why did anyone lie to me and get my hopes up on robert williams because like what right. is the job that he's doing on Jokic right now? And it's weird because I'm pretty sure the Raptors did a pretty good job on Jokic, but it still wasn't yeah. enough. Like that's no, the, that's, <laughs> no. Um, but OG was just having an uncharacteristically uh, not great night. You know that 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 is a very winnable game. That was a very winnable game that that the Raptors lost on. Which, yeah, I didn't see anything worrying that was like, oh god, like this is a he got he was no, getting he his just, finger. I was watching Lee pass and he was getting his fingers taped up. And I and I was like, is that like it wasn't tape? I think it was a shoelace, which they did on DeMar DeRozan, you know, when he hurt right. his finger in that Pacer series. Um, and I, I was wondering, I was like, because like I've never seen OG just like have that bad of a shooting night. Like he was, it, it was, it was a lot. And, and it like, was down to one he, point. Yeah. And it came, it came up and, and it's like, and, and Gary also had an uncharacteristically poor shooting night. And, and your bench was thoroughly outplayed by the Nuggets bench. There were so many things going against you and you still only lost by one point. And that's all because Pascal Siakam was having uh, a night. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I could go on and on and on talking about how good Pascal's been. How, Can I just uh, ask you, isn't it hilarious, sorry, that like the trade deadline has come and gone and what the Raptors ended up getting was more of what they already had? Like, I was kind of joking with Sandy about More this. More size. Like, you know, like you ask, like you're out with your parents and you're like, oh, can I get that? And you're like, no, we already have that at home. That's literally yes. what the Raptors did. They were like, we're going to get more of what we have at home already. I just great. find it so funny how Thaddeus Young was just giddy about playing on a team with just guys like him. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's so excited to play. Like he, he said that when they came to play the Spurs, he was like, whoa, these guys are huge. <laughs> and they're all it's giant guys that can sort of pass. Like, it's, it's yeah, the it's, so, it's just so funny to me that we're all like, "What do the Raptors need? Do they need a guard? Do they need some more shooting? They need they need like uh, another ball handler. They need you know some more playmaking. They need uh, a center. They need some you know interior presence. They they need some more protection. No, no, no. We're just gonna get another power forward who can't shoot. No, you know, solid oh, like gee. not like necessarily a great playmaker, but like 
uh, a great passer. Like he, he's a great passer. He's not, you know, creating plays, I think for anybody, but like, you know, moves the ball around, makes sound decisions, doesn't make any mistakes. Great defender, switchable. Oh, you mean more of what we already have? Yep. That's exactly it. <laughs> I just want to see, I just want to see him on the court because Siaka yeah. played 42 minutes last night and Thad Young is like the perfect backup for him. So hopefully they find a way to minimize his minutes. Um, and that would, if he can play, like if he can um, bring the ball up a little bit during those stretches where Fred is on the floor and Pascal can sit, like I can, I can see good things happening, um, but he's definitely going to have to watch probably from the bench a couple of games um, to see what the system is. To get acclimated. Yeah. Yeah. But I think um, that's kind of the nice thing about bringing in a veteran is the, the learning curve is so much quicker, especially someone like right. Thaddeus Young, who like has had to play on a lot of different teams and has had to learn very quickly. Yeah. Um, Marcus Hall came in. He Marcus Hall's plug and play uh, right away. Yeah, like he he sat on the bench for what his first game or two in New York, um, and then was just starting from from that point forward. And yeah. it clicked. <laughs> but Marcus Hall is a genius. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that is it for today's episode. Um, you guys will probably yeah. catch us around All-Star Weekend to talk about the events of the night. Um, Scotty Barnes is going to be featured. Uh, Fred Van Vliet will be featured in all in the All-Star um, game. Um, yeah. What is it? Rising Stars or Rising for Scotty Barnes? And, and the Skills Challenge. The skills Challenge. Yeah, yeah the Skills Challenge. So we've, got some, we've got Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday night representations for the Raptors. First time awesome. in a long, long time. Yeah, that is great. Um, and Precious, Precious is playing on the All Star and the um, Rising Stars. Can you imagine in the Rising Stars game? Um, <laughs> uh, everyone's um, confusion, but honestly, uh, we didn't even touch on Precious. But I love Precious. Like, um, I'm completely bought into his um, ceiling. Like, I think that he can be definitely turned into a productive role player. Um, there's just there's so much potential in it, and I feel like he gets a little better every game. Um, and he he's a second year player. Yeah. So these are just these are I keep forgetting because it's sometimes easy to forget when the player wasn't drafted by your team. Yeah. But he it and was he his looks rookie. big, right? Like he looks, you just look at him and he does not look like a second year player. <laughs> just like Scotty. Scotty is the same yeah. way. Like Evan, Evan Mobley and Kate Cunningham look like their first year players. They're a little yeah. on the smaller Fitter side. side. They're definitely gonna yeah. be gaining mass over the years. Scotty and Precious are fully formed. Like they're not getting any bigger. They might actually slim down a little bit over the years, Yeah, but it's, it's hilarious to see um, the difference there. Um, but yeah, I, I cannot wait um, to see how Precious develops. I'm, I'm totally pro Precious. I want him taking threes every game. Um, Ooh, that you know, corner three is not even hitting. It's not even hitting rim. That's just money. Swishing, swishing. Money. Would you <laughs> Someone said like he's taking more threes than Bam this season. <laughs> You gotta guard him, but you you have to send a body out there. <laughs> you gotta, yeah. Um, but anyways, have a great night, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We'll check in with you guys next week. Bye. Bye, everybody.